Everyone doing well? You warm? It's good to be warm, right? I locked up on Wednesday night, and I was just out a few minutes, you know, making sure the alarm was secure. And I said, I couldn't imagine people who don't have a home. You have to live in that. And so that should prompt us to pray for those, right, who are homeless. And the cold weather is not good. It's brutal. But uh, we are thankful for God's provision, right? Of a home and shelter and heat and all those good things. So, Baruch Hashem. All right, folks, let's pray. You can repeat after me. Avinu Malkeinu, our Father and our King. Give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey the word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. Um, we're in, the, in a series entitled, We Need to Talk to God. Five ways to pray. And today we're going to be focusing in on the prayer of intercession. Our prayer life is the heart and soul of our walk with God. Prayer is simple and practical, yet profoundly important to our spiritual well-being and our relationship with God. One writer described prayer as, and I mentioned this the first week I introduced it, but I want you to hear this again. Prayer is a sincere, sensible, affectionate pouring out of the heart or soul to God through the Messiah in the strength and assistance of the Ruach HaKodesh, for such things as God has promised, or according to his word, for the good of the congregation, with submission in faith to the will of God. There's a lot there. That's what prayer is. Last week, Rabbi Carroll spoke on the prayer of deliverance from the third psalm. This week, I'm going to talk about the prayer of intercession. I want you to hear a couple of quotes from great men of God. We don't have a PowerPoint today, so you just have to give me your best ear. S.D. Gordon said, God's greatest agency, man's greatest agency for defeating the enemy and winning men back is intercession. A.W. Tozer said, the congregation that is not jealously protected by mighty intercession and sacrificial labors will before long become the abode of every evil bird and the hiding place for unsuspected corruption. The creeping wilderness will soon take over that congregation that trusts in its own strength and forgets to watch and pray. Strong words. Richard Halverson said, Intercession is the truly universal work for the follower of Messiah. No place is closed to intercessory prayer. No continent, no nation, no city, no organization, no office. No power on earth can keep intercession out. It's a powerful thought because often we think we're bound by the laws, right, that are passed even in our own government, right, as it concerns prayer. The truth is intercession is able to transcend those things. Then 1 Timothy 2, when it says, this is Shaul speaking to young Timothy, encouraging him. He says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. So Rav Shaul teaches us that, among other things, intercession should be made for all people. So what does it mean to pray a prayer of intercession? 
from a biblical perspective, right? So we're going to define intercession, and this is a definition of what intercession is. It is the act of intervening or mediating between differing parties, particularly the act of praying to God on behalf of another person. On behalf of another person. Okay, often we're very good at praying for our own needs because our own needs are screaming often at us. But intercession is about praying on behalf of another person. The Hebrew word pagah, to make intercession, or it means to strike upon or to strike against. And the imagery is like beating on the doors of heaven on behalf of someone else. Pagah. Matter of fact, Rabbi Carol, when uh, she was contemplating what to do for a doctoral dissertation, which she never actually wrote because uh, of the tumor she got in her leg, was talking with her advisor about doing a doctoral dissertation on that one word, pagah, intercession. Beating on the door of heaven on behalf of another. As I was contemplating intercession, I was reminded of three passages of scripture that I will reference uh, today in this message. Although we don't have the time to go through, you know, in detail all three scriptures, I'm going to at least read the first one its in entirety and reference the others, that you could go home and read through those as part of your devotional before God. So... The scriptures that I'm mentioning give us information about what true intercession is. And first of all, intercessory prayer is selfless. Intercessory prayer is selfless. Already I like it. Already I know I'm hitting the mark because we know that God is selfless. Amen? It says in the Torah... And the Lord said to Moshe, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of you, Moses, a great nation. God's done with the children of Israel right here. Verse 11 says, Then Moshe pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of I give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. Verse 14, so the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. That's Shemot chapter 32, verses 9 through 14. The profound passage, how long are they out of Egypt? <laughs> Not too terribly long, right? God's fed up. To the point where he wants to annihilate them. And it wasn't so bad for Moshe. He didn't say, Moshe, you too. He said, no, 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 Moshe, let me get rid of them, and I'll work with you, and we'll get a great nation going through you. 
In this passage, God promised to take care of Moses. What does Moses care? Why should Moses be concerned with them? After all, Moshe himself had suffered some great amount of sorrows from the children of Israel thus far. They've given him a hard time. They've been a thorn in his flesh as well. Maybe Moses should have just jumped in with God and said, you know what, God, that's a great idea. Let's get rid of them. They've been a pain and a sore spot since day one. But that's not what happens. Have you ever been there? (laughs) Where you just feel like saying, you know, the heck with them. With that, right? And I'm sure um, many people would have been tempted to take God up on the offer. But not Moshe. Moshe had a selfless spirit. And to further give you an idea of what the people were like, you know, maybe you're saying, oh my gosh, could they have been that bad? If you go down to verse 22, it says, so Aharon said, do not let the anger of my Lord, he's speaking to Moshe, right? Moshe comes down from the mountain and he he wants to know from Aharon what's going on. I left you in charge of these people, what's going on? And Aharon says to him, don't let your anger, the anger of my Lord become hot, against me, basically, you know the people that they are set on evil. He says, you know these people. These people, Moshe, are set on doing evil. Don't, don't, don't give me a hard time. They wanted a calf, and I wasn't going to argue with them. These people have been you know, bent on evil since the beginning, and you yourself know it. This was Moshe's opportunity to throw in the towel. But he doesn't. Moshe's reaction, instead of agreeing with God, he intercedes on behalf of the very people who have been thrown in his own side and certainly in God's. It is a selfless act. Moshe had nothing to gain and everything to lose. Because realize at this point, Moshe is disagreeing with God. God saying, let's destroy him and start over. And Moshe saying, no, God, but wait. Think about who he's talking to, the Almighty. No, 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 God, don't get ahead of yourself. I don't know if I would talk to God like that, but Moshe felt comfortable doing it. Or maybe he didn't feel comfortable, but he did it. He was selfless. And he had everything to lose and... God could have potentially gotten angry with Moshe for siding with the the people and even withdrawn his offer to Moshe. Said, you know what? You're not who I thought you were. I'm going to pour my wrath out on you as well. Moshe and his selfless heart toward B'nai Yisrael is what the heart of intercession is about. We didn't deserve salvation when the Messiah came and interceded for us. Selfless. Putting others ahead of yourself. Looking at others' conditions and their situations and wanting to. Moshe wanted to go before God so the wrath of heaven would not fall on these people. 
I hate to say it, how many times do I hear believers, even in this recent thing with, with the abortion laws in New York, which are horrific, which are demonic, in my opinion, but are saying things about people like they should burn in Gehinom. Friend, that's not the heart of intercession. What would have Moshe done? What, have you, what would have Yeshua done? He would have fell on his face and cried out for mercy for these people. That God's mercy would touch them and reach them and convict them and change them and move upon their lives. Friends, we need to have a selfless heart toward the people around us. You know, it's so easy to give up on people. It's so easy to toss in the towel. It's so easy to label people and say, oh, that person is just like that. Just like the children of Israel. Matter of fact, that's exactly what Aharon did. He said, Moshe, come on, you know these people. You know what they're like. But that wasn't a selfless heart. Intercessory prayer is selfless. I'm sure we all have plenty to pray for in our own lives and among our own families. But a willingness to intercede in behalf of someone else absolutely requires selflessness and a selfless heart. And I pray and trust that you will um, cultivate that type of attitude in your own life. It's something that yeah, you have to go before God, something you have to put on. It is a characteristic of the Messiah himself who left the glories of heaven for us. So intercessory prayer is selfless. Secondly, intercessory prayer is spontaneous. Have you ever told someone that you would pray for them and not do it? Come on. Did you? No one? Just me? Just the rabbi? I've done it. I've done it plenty of times. Not with the wrong intention. I want to pray for them. Oh, I'll pray for you. And then I remember like three weeks later, wasn't I supposed to pray for someone? (laughs) And I never did it. Intercessory prayer is spontaneous. In this text, Israel needed Moshe's intercession immediately. You hear what I'm saying? They needed his intercession immediately. Tomorrow morning, during his regular scheduled prayer time in the tent of meeting, wouldn't have done. They would have been gone already. He needed and they needed immediate intercession. God was ready to allow them to follow their evil way and move on with only Moshe. Moshe proceeds to plead with God immediately. And we know that Moshe was a pretty busy guy, don't we? Remember in the Parsha that we just did, that Moshe would sit, right, and to judge the people from morning until evening. He would have been like, they're knocking on the door of Moshe. (laughs) Not now, guys. God saying, I'm going to just pour out my wrath on these people. God, I, I, I want to talk to you about that, but look, I'm going to do it in the morning. I'm exhausted. So Moshe immediately goes into intercession and begins to cry out and talk to God about relenting towards the people of Israel. 
He pleads with God and reminds God that these are his people. And he reminds God of the promises that he made to Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. That he would make them a great nation. Moshe appeals to the very nature and character of who God is. He reminds God of who he is and what he promised. Not for his own sake, but for the sake of B'nai Yisrael. If you think about it, it's a very courageous move. Because I know we all think, I don't know what we think actually, of who God is as a person, but he's awesome. Remember, they're just a few scenes back from this. They were watching God descend on Mount Sinai like a fire. The whole top of the mountain was like burnt and singed from the glory of heaven. This is the God that Moshe is pleading with. That's pretty courageous. Matter of fact, the people cowered that they saw the glory of God in his awesomeness, and it was too much for them. This is the same God that Moshe is having a dialogue with about the children of Israel. Intercession is spontaneous, and we could even add courageous. The result is, and it says here in the text, so the Lord relented from the harm. Hear that. He was ready to do it. God was ready to pull the trigger and finish them. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. If you don't think that a prayer of intercession is powerful, just meditate on that verse for a second. The Jewish people lived on because of Moshe's intercession in this instance. They wouldn't have existed. We wouldn't have existed until now if it wasn't for this intercessory prayer of Moshe, this selfless act of Moshe, this spontaneous intercession of Moshe. It made me to think, perhaps there were things you and I could prevent if when someone was in a dire place before God that we selflessly and spontaneously intercessed on their behalf. That's a sobering thought. Maybe we could have changed the direction of their life. If we would have obeyed God and immediately sought him on their behalf and pleaded with God. He didn't just throw up a little cheap two-cent prayer, or we should say two-shekel prayer, and say, oh, oh, God, save your people. No, no, he pleaded with God. He had an argument that God couldn't resist, that he presented before him. Because after all, Moshe was not expecting to come down the mountain after an incredible experience with God, right? He has the tablets in his hand to find what he found. But he was spiritually ready to jump right in to the fray and intercede before God in a moment's notice. Are you spiritually ready to jump into the fray and intercede on behalf of someone else on a moment's notice? We could already see that intercession is powerful. We're here as a Jewish people because of Moshe's intercession, period. No intercession back in Shemot, no Jewish people, at least as we currently exist. I guess he would have did something else through Moshe, who is Jewish, and, and it would have been maybe a long, arduous process, but 
power of intercession. This is a good example for us when people come to us with a problem or a situation. I want to suggest that based on what we just read, that we should pray and intercede with them right there in the moment, if at all possible. There might be some situations where you can't pray on the spot, but outside of those extenuating circumstances, we should be ready to pray and intercede. Prayer is powerful. Prayer works. This is a case in point. Intercession is selfless, spontaneous, and lastly, intercession intercession is our priestly duty. It's our priestly duty. I find that we love the kingdom of God when it's given us stuff. We love the kingdom of God. We love to be around the kingdom of God when God is blessing us, God is speaking to us, God is encouraging us, God is healing us, saving us, God is helping us in our life. But intercession is our priestly duty, and it's not about us receiving, it's about us giving. It's about us serving. It's about us doing for others, working with God on behalf of other people. Quite frankly, some people characterize intercession as spiritual work because it's not easy to press into God in heaven on behalf of other people. In Shemot 19 and 6, it says, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. This is who you are, Israel. Okay, this is not just a free ride type of thing. Manna and water from the rock the rest of your days. A land flowing with milk and honey so you could just enjoy yourself and schmooze it up amongst yourselves. No, he said, you shall be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Kepha Aleph 2 and 9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his glorious light. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5 says, To him who loved us and washed us from our sins, Baruch Hashem, in his own blood and has made us kings and priests, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. This is what he's made us to be. This is who we are. We are a kingdom of Kohanim. People hear the word priest and often think of the wrong priest. Yes, Jewish people here are priests, but they're not priests with the collar. They're priests, koanim, people who intercede on behalf of other people, mediate, bring people to God. We are koanim, and Yeshua is the Kohen Hagadol, the great high priest. The scripture says of Yeshua in Romans chapter 8, it says, Who is he who condemns? It is Messiah who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Yeshua's example is an example of intercession for us. He's the great high priest. We are Kohanim. And we too are to follow his example. He intercedes for us and we intercede for others. 
Hebrews 25, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he ever lives to make intercession for them. In Yochanan chapter 17, and I suggest that you read it, it is the great intercessory prayer of our great high priest, Yeshua HaMashiach. He prays an intercessory prayer on behalf of believers. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's lengthy. But I want to, you can read it at home. Read it through the course of the week. But I want to point out some things. In verses 11 and 12, Yeshua prays that, because what is intercessory prayer, right? We're praying on behalf of someone else. What do we pray for other people? He prays that they would be kept by God. And you're going to see a theme in intercessory prayer. Never in any of these intercessory prayers of the Bible are they praying to fix Aunt Susie's flat tire. Oh God, pray that, that uh, they would get into that school that they desire to get into. Or pray that you would help them to, uh, in their relationships with their family members. No, you don't see that type of praying. Intercessory prayer is spiritual, for spiritual realities to, 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 to happen in people's lives. So in verse 12, he prays that they would be kept by God, that they should be seen as kept in the faith and not lost. Because that's the most important thing, that people would be close to God and not stray into the world. Remembering that the enemy primarily comes to kill, steal, and destroy What? Your finances, all of your millions, your earthly wealth. No, your faith. He comes to take your faith because if he takes your faith, he has everything. He has all he needs to harass and harangue your life. In verse 13, Yeshua prays that his people would have his joy. How many times do we see the people of God and we walk around joyless like we're sucking on a lemon, like a sour patch kid? Where is, no, seriously, where is the joy of God in the body of Messiah? We're always under it. Because here's the truth. You're going to always have a situation in your life that is uncomfortable, likely. There's always some, why is that? That's because we can't control how other people act toward us, what they do. We can't control that if our boss wakes up on the wrong side of the bed and is going to decide to be mean that day, we have no control over that. But we do have control over the joy level that we live in by the power of the Ruach Hashem. And guess what? He says and he prays that God's people would have his joy. That's a good thing. How do we intercede for people? God, give them your joy. That they would live life. Life can be arduous at times, but life is good. Life is a joy. If we see it like that, if we receive it like that. In verse 15, he prays that they be kept from the evil one. He prays that we would be sanctified. And then he goes on throughout the rest of the prayer, and he prays for all believers throughout all time. Covering every single solitary base you could cover in an intercessory prayer. All of the areas, like I said before, he covers are spiritual in nature. And this should be our guiding rule for our intercession. 
The bottom line, when we pray for things, if people are spiritual people and connected with God and doing the right thing, they're close to God, they're reading the word, they're praying, they're fasting, they're going after heaven, guess what? They're going to be in good shape to hear from God. They're going to be in good shape by having the joy of the Lord. That's their strength. They're going to be walking in holiness. They're not going to be ensnared by the sins that the evil one lays before them. They're going to be in good shape. And so intercessory prayer concerns ourselves with people's spiritual well-being. There's one other great prayer of intercession that I want to mention as we prepare to close. Rav Shaul, in his remarks to the Ephesian Kehillah, reveals a few things about intercessory prayer that are noteworthy. If you recall, in chapter 1 of Ephesians, he gives thanks to God for those he was interceding for. He gives thanks to God for those he was interceding for. Probably a practice that we should pick up on. He prayed that God would give them, hear what he prays, spiritual wisdom and revelation in knowing God. doesn't pray that they would be delivered from trouble. He doesn't pray that they would have provision. He prays that they would have spiritual wisdom and revelation in their knowledge of God. That they would know God for themselves, really know him. He prays that their hearts would be enlightened so that they would have hope. We talked about two key things now. Joy, the joy of the Lord, and hope. Both of which are vital to living a victorious life. This is what Rav Shaul is praying in his intercessory prayer, that people would have hope. So many people in our world walk around hopeless. They're all dressed up in suits and ties. They make six figures. They drive nice cars, live in beautiful houses. But there's no hope living in their heart. They're hopeless. Yeshua, and in his intercessory prayer, and here Rav Shaul to pray hope into people's hearts. Yeshua is our hope, isn't he? We were in Israel and saying the Hatikva. The Hatikva means the hope. The hope. God is our hope. That song we sing, right? I think it's Adonai Tikvati, Lord, you are my hope. Adonai Tikvati, the Lord, you are my hope, Tikvati. God is our hope. He's the hope of the world. He's the hope people need. More than any other thing that you could possibly pray for them. Intercession is selfless. Intercession is spontaneous. And intercession is spiritual. And it's our priestly duty. Someone was reflecting, you know, hmm, reflecting, we'll call it reflecting, about how bad this, uh, this, this, the state of our country, the state of our world, the state of the state of New York is, right in this abortion law. It's really a grisly and gruesome thing to think a, a, a 40 week term baby could be aborted. It's, it's gruesome. 
And people are crying out, what can be done? What can be done? I've heard that pretty much all week. And then, and again, I say this just as a, a word of encouragement. Because I know the truth is where two or three gathered, God's in the midst, right? It's a powerful thing. But I do wonder, as we have intercessory prayer on Thursdays with a handful or less of people willing to sacrifice an hour at a time. It's only an hour. How could we not pray and intercede and then complain that things aren't going the way that God wants them to go? What could have Moses said if he just walked away from God and said, you know, God, I'm going to catch you tomorrow morning on this, and came back the next day and the children of Israel were wiped out? What could he have said? What he did instead was he interceded. And intercession is costly in the sense that it costs your time. It's often, like I said, laborious to carry the burdens of someone else, to cry out before God that God's mercy would fall upon even people perhaps who have not been nice to you, like in Moshe's instance, or maybe even mistreated you, and to cry out that God's mercy would fall upon them. something for us to consider and ask the Lord, God, where is my heart at concerning intercessory prayer? Because we know from the word, it's clear, we are called to be priests. Kohanim. That is already an intercessory position. It is. That's it. It's an intercessory mediating position before God. But are we walking in that office? That's something to consider in our walk with God. I know most of us here, our walks with God, we're working on a lot of areas, trying to do the very best we can, and that's awesome. But this area should be included. You should take a look at it in your life. How are you doing in this area? We are called to be this, a kingdom of Kohanim. Because there are a lot of people who need a lot of prayer in our world. Lastly, Shaul prays that they would know both the richness, hear this, and ask yourself this question, do I know in my knower? Do I know in my knower that I know that I know that I know? Shaul prays, his intercessory prayer, that God's people would know the richness of their inheritance in Messiah. That they would know the richness of their inheritance in Messiah, and his exceedingly great power, specifically his resurrection power. That God's people would know that, not just intellectually, but they would know it. Think of the Hebrew word yada, to know. It's an intimate term. Not just to know intellectually, but to know intimately. That They would know it. That they would know this.
Those are the things, because when you think about someone you're praying for and they get a revelation of the richness of the inheritance they have in Messiah, that immediately changes their life. They understand what they've been given. That connection becomes stronger. That they know the power of the resurrection life of Messiah. They begin to live in it and walk in it. It's life-changing. So here's my question in closing. What would happen if we interceded for people along these lines? Instead of just having our own regular shopping list, Susie and Johnny and Joey and Eddie and Moisha and, you know what I'm saying? Just go down the line. And, but if we interceded for people along these lines, what do you think would happen? I think it's safe to say it would result in some pretty powerful results. If we would pray this on behalf of others. Intercession, the prayer of intercession, the prayer that we are called to participate in based on our position before God as a kingdom of Kohanim. Friends, I want to encourage you in this area to take a look at it in your life. How much time, when you do get to have devotions, is spent on intercession on behalf of others? And how much is it spent crying out to God for your shopping list of things? Which, by the way, nothing wrong with that. Don't feel condemned about bringing God a shopping list, by the way. Because God wants to know your needs and he wants to meet your needs. That's fine. But don't neglect your priestly duty of interceding selflessly on behalf of someone else. It's the very calling and nature of what we are to be. God is good. And so what I want to do, stand to your feet, because I'm going to pray, not before I pray the priestly blessing over you, right? Again, an intercessory blessing of the ironic benediction. I want to pray an intercessory prayer for you before God. So just close your eyes and still your heart before God, Avinu Malkinu, our Father and our King. Father, I pray for this, your people, God. Father, this, each one that you've called by name, that you love with all your heart, that you sent your Son to die on the tree so that they could live eternal life with you. Father, I pray for each one. God, I pray that you would invigorate each person's faith, in Messiah. Father, I pray, God, that they would understand the height and the depth and the width of your great love that you have for them, that they wouldn't just know it as a Bible verse, God. But, Father, they would know it in their heart of hearts and their heart would be, Lord, filled and overflowing with that love that surpasses understanding. Father, I pray, God, that you would help these, your people, to accomplish the purposes for which you called them. Father, that the spiritual eyes of their mind and heart would be enlightened and opened. God, that they would, Lord, see and read the scripture with new passion and fervor. Father, that they would not just see words on a page, but they would hear the voice of heaven speaking to them. Father, that in every way, God, their spiritual life would be enriched. Father, I pray that over this, your people, in Yeshua's name.
Now I'm going to say the ironic blessing over you, and we can go up and there's bagels and coffee and things like that upstairs. So, blessings to you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Father, let your peace, Lord, abound in the hearts of your people. We pray, Bashem Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Baruch Adonai, Elohinu Melacholam, Shechonia Bidvaro. Enjoy the uh, uh, bagels and coffee and cake. Amen. God bless. Shabbat Shalom.